What's up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to Action Movie Anatomy. We took our first ever week off, uh, aside from Christmas, to go to Comic-Con, and we're back. We're back to talk about Star Trek, 2009's J.J. Abrams' masterpiece, this, this sort of soft reboot, re- revival of the franchise. We're going to break down the whole movie for you, doing all our fun games. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to Action Movie Anatomy. We're back. Back in the studio. The boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. It's a song. It's a song. That's yes. my attempt at singing it. <laughs> that was good. Uh, I know, man. It, it feels weird. It felt, well, it felt weird to take a whole week off. Yeah, it did feel weird. Uh, this and also uh, you know, my magic podcast, because of Comic-Con, I took a week off of this and two weeks off that. It was really weird. Living the dream. I hadn't taken time off of podcasts like that in like over a year. Were you having withdrawals? I just, like, sort of was, like, the week was going, and, like, my social media was, like, very sort of, like, quiet. (laughs) I kept getting tweets from people, like, are you guys alive? Did you die? Yeah. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre stretch. But we were at Comic-Con, so uh, that's one of the reasons that we decided to take the week off. Comic-Con was nuts. It was awesome. And there's content from all of our networks up there. Like, come check out our website. Like, there's, we did so many interviews and red carpets, and there's, there's just a lot. So even though you missed us... We were still working, and you can still see us. Yeah, the, probably the highlight for us and for you guys for this show is oh. that Drew and I were able to sit down for 15 minutes with Michael Bean. Captain Anderson! Commander Anderson Hicks himself, uh, Kyle Reese, Johnny Ringo. I mean, it was it was some special stuff, and we got him to laugh doing lines for him. Oh, yeah. Ben's over there quoting The Rock. He was, he was eating it up, and not only... Did we just have fun? Yeah. But he was an awesome, awesome guy. And I, I think there'll be some collaborations coming in the future. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I think we got something something working. It seems pretty likely that we're going to get to work with Bean on something. So we may we may or may not see Bean in here. Uh, no, neither confirm nor deny. But uh, nonetheless. <laughs> nice. I <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it was a very fun time. So, guys, if this is your first time watching or listening to the show, I'm Ben Bateman. I'm your host. This is Andrew Guy, co-creator, co-host, co-producer. Boom. All the above. So happy to be back. This movie is so good. Let's clarify a couple things really quickly. So we do action movies on this show. You're watching the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie related. And the movies we do here are action movies. We, we, we try to have them adhere to four basic rules. So aside from a soft rule, which is made after 1981, the four rules of the, of the game are the hero always plays by their own rules. The hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. The movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. And the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. However... We've talked on the show a number of times. We have debated on the show a number of times, and we've talked in our own friendship for about two years with this conversation, like a year and a half. Yeah, about the kind of movies we're allowed to do on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because frankly, when we concepted the show originally, it was supposed to just be Terminator 2 and, you know, The Rock and Speed. Bad Boys was in there and yeah, things like that. Yeah, Kate, we were thinking, okay, so if you go a little newer sometimes, originally we wanted to cut the thing off in 2001 because yeah. we felt like, you know, the true era of the action movie had sort of ended. Um, because nowadays, we've said this a lot of times, the, the modern day action movie is the superhero movie. That's the tentpole action movie. It, it really is. It gets the biggest stars, it makes all the money. It's very, very rare that an original franchise comes out anymore like it used to with just like a hero and makes a lot of money and gets act, you know ultimate sequels and big actors. And all the movies that are like that now are starring the guys that did action movies in the 90s. You look yeah. at the Expendables, the Reachers, the Wicks, the, the Equalizers, yeah. you know what I mean? And they're kind of like, they, they very much appeal to that audience, but mm-hmm. kids don't go see them in the same way that kids fill the theaters for Civil War or for Batman versus Superman. Right. So 
we always felt like with this show, we really wanted to be the show that covered the franchises that were our franchises. A great example would be that the Bourne films, that's our franchise. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no Star Trek show that does that. There's not a, a nerd culture show that does the Bourne movies or, or Mission Impossible. That's like our franchises. Right. Thing is, this is a great movie, and it's totally an action movie. And it totally feels... Like the movies that we do on the show. It hits. It totally hits it like out of the park in the way that we like our <clears throat> movies to. So we decided we would take a chance on this one. Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to shift over to superhero or Lord of the Rings, sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff like that entirely. But obviously we have made exceptions. We've done Independence Day. We did the new Independence Day. Mm-hmm. We've done films that didn't necessarily feel like what we thought the show was going to be. Because I know you guys have said you want to see us do The Dark Knight. It's one of our favorite movies of right. all time. It's a Batman movie. It's hard. But you got to kind of decide where you where you draw the line. So we'll we'll see as we go forward. Yeah, and I think Dark Knight's one of the closest ones that will to that line that we could maybe step over. But again, that's a conversation for later. But we've talked about this time and time again. Tone. It's all about tone yeah. on this show and this movie because we had the same conversation with with Gladiator. Um, and we were both kind of reluctant to doing it. I mean, I obviously was pushing for it because it's my favorite movie. But we were reluctant to do it because we were worried it would feel too much like an Oscar-gunning epic. Yeah. Instead of an action-adventure movie with the right tone. And after watching it, and since it has been dated, it's a great movie. It's still dated in yeah. the sense to where it's not the same as when a real intense action drama comes out now. Um, we watched it and we were like, hell yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Star Trek because... You don't have to know the source material. You don't have to be a Star Trek fan. Yeah. You can just be an action movie fan that loves the things that everyone loves about action movies. Yeah. Watch this and be like, hell yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, it's got it's got so many of the things that we love. And so that's why we decided we would give it a shot. Abrams, I mean, the other, the other argument here, guys, is that if you've watched or listened to this show uh, for a number of episodes, and some of you have... You know that we've done 60-plus episodes now, and mm-hmm. we've gone through a lot of the stuff that you guys have wanted to see. There's still a lot of ones left that fit that original billing... But we may eventually at some point make a shift where we start to let ourselves do some of those movies we talked about because ultimately we can kind of shape the future of the show how we want. Yeah. Now that I think because we've done so many episodes, we have a really strong idea of what the games are and how, how they work. If we were to do a Lord of the Rings movie, I mean, we could probably get away with it just fine. We, all the games would apply. We would have the same type of things and uh, we'll see. So all that being said, we're doing Star Trek today. That's what we decided to do. Yes. And, uh, and Star Trek is just, just fucking epic. This movie's so it's sweet. It's so good. It's it's just, it, yeah. I hadn't watched it all the way through in a long time. Like, sat down and just put everything away and watched. I mean, I don't do that with many movies that often anymore. To yeah. where I have my phone's away and all that. Oh, loved it. Yeah. Every minute of it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's cue the trailer. One of the greatest trailers of all time. Yep. You going to hold my hand? I just wanted to hold your <laughs> hand. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wait, what is Ooh. This is not the trailer. This is not the trailer. Uh, so, sorry, guys. That's what we had. That, that's our fault on our end. No. Uh, it says Star Trek 2009 on it. Is there any way that you can? Yeah, I'll cue it up. YouTube. Oh. Uh, it's Star Trek trailer number three. Vamp it up. Is it? Are you uh, sure? Yes, that? I'm positive. Okay. Um, and sorry about that, guys. But yeah. just to let you know, while, we're, while we are looking for that, this is going to lead into a fun little thing that Ben and I have talked about in the future. So just get your brains ready for it. We're going to come right back to it. You and I yeah. are trailer 
like fanatics. Yeah, definitely. Like we can sit there and spend hours just watching movie trailers. Yeah, the ones that we, especially the ones that we love. Like the, the ones that were in question, I've seen like thirty times at least each. It literally thirty yeah. times each. And there's a oh, there's another one I just remembered to think about. So what we're gonna do next is Ben and I are gonna talk about the top five of our favorite movie trailers of all time. Yeah, and this is one of those things where it's. If we wanted to do, like, a real episode of ranking, it's a whole different conversation. But if we're going to do a thing where it's like, uh, oh, God, I just thought of another one. Is it is it our boys that were on the show? Because I just don't know how we didn't talk about I that. I love the Warrior trailer. Yeah. But, no, it's a different one. Um, no, uh, I think uh, we're going to do our top five favorite movie trailers. And uh, I guess we could do it before or we could do it after this trailer. Oh, here. he's got it. He's so quick. Yeah, Donica, that Donica's was the best. Let's see if this is a – pray this is the – yeah, that's the one. I couldn't believe it when the bartender told me who you were. Hey, what are you talking to me, man? <laughs> Your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes. <sighs> Saved 800 lives. Including yours. I dare you to do better. Enlist. Enlist in Starfleet. You will experience fear. <laughs> you will experience fear. You're in the face of certain You're death. You're in the face of certain death. Pull your shoot! I've seen this trailer so many times. So many. <laughs> John Woo, or John's look here. Yeah. We received a distress call. I've been waiting for this day my whole life. Day of reckoning. This day of reckoning. got no captain and no first officer to replace him yeah we do <sighs> chills ah oh, chills. so good you are capable of deciding your own destiny the question is which path will you choose There it is. That's the one, yeah. James T. Kirk was a great man. That was another life. Oh, God, he's so good in this. Yeah, he's great. Trailer. <laughs> I think trailer. <laughs> Fire everything! You know, it's a it's a strong argument you can make, but I'll save it. Um, <laughs> if you don't want to go watch that movie right now, yeah. what is wrong with you? Um, yeah, the movie's so good. Oh. Uh, all right, let's talk favorite trailers. Top okay, five, let's do it, top man. Five favorite trailers, and guys, uh, you know, if you want to follow along in the conversation, you can find us on social media. I'm at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm fairly active on my Twitter, so if you want to share an idea with us, uh, you know, do that. Uh, I'm at Andrew Guy. I'm moderately active on my Twitter, but I'm working on it. Okay, I really am. <laughs> uh, and, oh, uh, and we also got Mark Mark B. Donica in the booth. Yeah, Donica's a our boy. Oh, hey, what up? Uh, okay, man. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I think we can both agree that that is on our top five, right? Absolutely, that is in our top five. So, do you want to negate it, or do you want to not? We can negate it. Pull it and just drop it. Let's okay, drop so it. Star Trek trailer number three, and I'm going to try to give the numbers with all my trailers because that is so important. That's so important. Uh, and if if you're watching a trailer that we recommend and it's and you're watching, you're kind of like this. Eh, watch it. Watch the other numbers because we could have just gotten it wrong. 
they're all so good. Yeah, and if you so if you're watching one, and you think it's the wrong trailer, tweet at us, and we'll be sure to tweet back the correct link. Just to, just to be clear. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, so Star Trek's all in there. I'm going to go with my number five because I know it's not on your list, and I know most people don't know about oh, it. Oh, we're ordering these. So you're counting <clears throat> them down. <clears throat> I don't think so. Okay, great. I just know that this one is my last. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's called Life in a Day. It is a YouTube movie. It was made, uh, actually, I think back in 2010, and what happened was they asked everyone around the world to video record their day, parts of their day, whatever it may have been, and send it into YouTube, and they took all of it. And they made a movie out of everyone's stuff from all around the world, their footage. And honestly, the trailer's a little better than the movie. The trailer is so beautiful. It makes me almost tear up every single time I watch it. It's just, like, inspiring. And and you get a look at everyone's, just, like, a look at life all around the world. So, Life in a Day, check it out. That is my first one. I never saw Life in a Day. I also have not seen the trailer. So good. Uh, All right. My number five I'm going to go with. ah, This is tough. I I want to use all of them. All right, I'm going to go with one that we've talked about on the show before. A little movie I like to call Crimson Tide. Yes! Yes. Oh, it's so good. This Crimson Tide trailer is fantastic. It's fantastic. It starts out with the conversations between, what's he say? Like, uh, I can't even remember all the lines. I just, I know it shows the Go Bama Roll Tide line. I love the, uh, you're on top of my list. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, exactly. It was was a short short list. list. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That movie, that trailer, sweet, and then and then you start to you get the drums, doo, 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 and then you get yeah. the voices like, "What we've always known, what we come is what we always feared." It's like the great old action trailer yeah, voice. It's yeah. so sweet, and, oh. then it, and it definitely it definitely goes to my favorite line. Uh, against uh, it was according to strict navy regulations, we cannot lock the torpedoes and buzz. Both you and I agree, and we're like, "Oh yeah, Denzel." Yeah. Anyway, that trailer's sweet. Oh, it's so good. I think there's only one trailer for that too. So look it up. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Man of Steel trailer two. Got to do it. This is the one with like the really soft music, like the yeah. piano music, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's he's got like, the Costner line. Yes, right? where he's like, uh, what's he say? He's something like, "Can I just go and go back to being your son?" And he's like, "Clark, you are my you son." You are my son. He's like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to go get some popcorn. I want you to take the world, think of it as an island, and it's just ah, oh, it's so good. What would you have me do? Yeah. Would you have me, or, uh, I know he's. I have so many questions when he's like talking to uh, yeah. his dad, Russell Crowe. It's just epic. It's so epic. Yeah, the thing is, it's one of those. Mo- it's one of those movies. A lot of these movies is like this. The trailer's better than the movie. Yeah, absolutely, Sig- significantly better. Because Man of Steel is pretty mediocre. It's got some good parts, but basically all the Costner scenes are the reason the movie's good. And then <laughs> his, the scenes with Costner in that movie are, are incredible. Yeah, they're so much better than the rest of the movie. And then we, like we were watching Batman vs Superman, and yeah. you're like, the best part of the whole movie was his flashback with his dad. I'm like, yeah. God, you just love Kevin Costner. <laughs> Just absolutely makes no sense, but yeah, it's just so true. Uh, uh, it's a good trailer. All right, I'll go. Um, I'll go just because I know we both have it. We must both have. It. No, no, no. I'll, I'll save it. I'll save okay. It. Um, Prometheus. Uh, so good. Great. Trailer. It is incredible. So much better than the movie. It was on my honorable mention list. Yeah. And yes, much better than the movie. The Prometheus trailer <laughs> is is excellent. It's just got that. It's got that loud, loud, loud like that. Yeah. That like alien sound, whatever like, it is. And then like, and then she says the one line. She's like, if we don't, put it, if we don't get back to you know, something, there won't be an earth to go back to or something yeah. like that. We're doing, we're butchering these right now. It's okay. That's yeah. why you have to go watch them because the you're going to be like, wow, those guys don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, the Prometheus trailer was really sweet. I remember loving that trailer to death. Uh, 
next, I'm going to have to go Interstellar Trailer 2. Yeah, one of my favorites. I knew it was going to be on your list, so I didn't put it. Okay, yeah, I but know. Collectively, I know that you and I watched the trailer like 70 times because we quoted it pretty much daily for like a year. I'm coming back. I'm coming. He's got the look on his face. Yeah, he's yeah. crying. <laughs> my, uh, my buddy Jordan, who was a good buddy of mine in college, diehard film nerd as well, uh, I hadn't seen him in years. Yeah. Literally years. And he just moved to, to L.A. And I, and I, was, I went over to his house for the first time. I go, what's up, man? He goes, what's up, Dre? How you doing? Yeah, it's been a long time. Have you seen the Interstellar trailer? Like, in the first sentence. I was like, uh, no, not yet, because it was when it first came out, yeah. uh, the trailer did. He's like, I was like, okay, let me pull up my phone. He goes, no, 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 put your fucking phone away. Yeah. So he put, he brings me in his room. He's got a whole studio there because he edits as well. Like, yeah. incredible sound and, like, $800 headphones. Yeah. He puts them on my head, turns off the lights, cranks the music, and just leaves. Yeah. And he goes, don't say anything, don't get up until it's over. And I came back out three minutes later, and I was just like... Yeah, it's the greatest thing I've ever it's seen. So good. <laughs> the trailer was incredible. I, I literally, I think we watched the trailer daily for a while. We would every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love that one. It, that movie's so weird because I, I feel like it's actually better than you feel like it is. When we saw it, I was pretty let down by it. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people were. There was so much hype. It was so long and it was so ambitious. But in retrospect, because the soundtrack has become one of my five favorite soundtracks of all time, yeah. I listened to the soundtrack probably a thousand times. It was my it was my going to the gym or hiking soundtrack for like six months. It, it, Jeff's or Ben's roommate Jeff has like a, an incredibly expensive sound system, yeah. and you just cranks it, and the whole apartment complex, not just yeah. the room, shakes. Yeah, it's like reverberating. Yeah, and he likes to listen to the Interstellar soundtrack. Uh, and then also when I've thought about it, in, like I just like that movie a lot more than I thought I did in the first place. I think that movie's really good. Uh, it's it's definitely ambitious and it's kind of bloated, but it's really mm-hmm. good. Um, we're gonna take so much of the show just talking about these trailers right yeah, now. Yeah, that's that's important. Um, all right, so you go Interstellar. I'm gonna go with a little trailer I like to call. I'm gonna tell you a story. <sighs> First, it's gonna sound ridiculous. That's so good. But the longer I talk, the more rational it's going to appear. Edge of Tomorrow. Trailer. Edge of Tomorrow. I think it's trailer two. I think it's trailer two. I think you're right, but I'm not positive. Uh, the invasion will fail. <laughs> we lose everything. That that trailer is like, though it's one of the rare occasions where I love the trailer, but I, I like the movie even more than the trailer. Right. Which is like super rare when I like a trailer that much. I just remembered MI5. Yeah. <laughs> Benji, the syndicate is real. A rogue nation. We, we quoted we that we every do. day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good trailer, but it's nothing compared to no, Edge. No, it's not on the same level. Edge is like a phenomenal trailer it's got that song this is not the end yeah, and Cruise yeah. wakes back up um yeah that, that movie's sweet do we uh, have two more each or is, there, is it one see. more each i've done prometheus i've done edge i've done crimson that's yeah i think that's it so we got two more yeah okay we'll be, we'll be just quick you are right we are taking a long time on these uh next is going to be for me <clears throat> since i know the other one's going to be on your list it has to be is going to be the loved ones it's a horror movie that came out really it is incredibly ter- terrifying like I remember watching it and it just looked like a good time yeah. super scary super creepy check it out The Loved Ones it's f- awesome I know nothing about it yeah it's like, real it's creepy the, it's the only trailer though for it uh, yeah and it's about like this high school girl that kidnaps the dude that she wanted to take to prom and just torturing him and it's wow. awesome uh, alright I'm gonna go with a little movie I like to call Congo yes 1995 <laughs> this is this is quite possibly my favorite trailer of all time the myth of the killer rape is He's true a, yeah <laughs> The same hieroglyphics printed over and over. <laughs> Tim Curry just like steals the show in that trailer. Um, no, it's like it starts out and like I think it's you know it's Laura Linney and, and uh, that dude from Nip Tuck mm-hmm. and they're on they're on like camera and then like you hear some like commotion and the camera goes off. Yeah, it's black screen goes black for a second 
And then it's like two people jump out of the helicopter. It's like, the, the helicopter, and then it's like, it would take two scientists <laughs> deep into the heart of the African jungle. And then like later in the trailer, some would come to it for science, others <laughs> for fortune. The lost city of Z. What does yeah, he say? Is the lost city of Z. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer is so sweet. I love that like... <clears throat> So many people our age yeah. know that trailer so well. Yeah. It was terrifying it was, as a yeah. kid. Congo was a horror movie to me as a kid. Yeah, it's not a good movie. <laughs> not it's at all. It's very bad, but the trailer is epic. Donica, I, sometimes, are, do you have to push a button to talk to us? Is that what goes on? We can't hear you otherwise? Yeah. So if you're laughing, we can't hear it? No. Do you sometimes laugh? Oh, God damn, yeah, I do. Uh, are you, uh, have you laughed today? <laughs> yes, I have so far. <laughs> okay, go Push worry. the button when you laugh for fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think the last one is pretty pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It's Dark Knight one, Trailer 2. Dark Knight Trailer 2. The first time you heard the real laugh and saw him. Yeah. Ah, chill. I watched that over and over and it's, over. It, start, it starts with like the bike going up the ramp. Yep. And then it's like you hear you hear Oldman and he's like, what do we got? And he's like, uh, no name, no aliases. <laughs> Nothing, Nothing in, his in his pockets but knives and lint. And then it shows Ledger, Evening Commissioner. It's just... Evening Commissioner. And then the laugh. I think you hear the laugh right then, yeah, right? I think so. Ah, go watch... Rewind this segment and write down every single trailer that we just told you about and go watch them. Trust any, me. Any honorable mentions you want to throw in real quick? Uh, I'll just say really quick, There Will Be Blood and Tree of Life. Those are both good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll throw in Snake Eyes. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I love the trailer for Snake Eyes. I'm Ricky Sertor. I'm Ricky. I'm Ricky. And I am the king. Cage just on top of his game. 100%. Oh, yeah. He's got like a ridiculous jacket on. It's, yeah. I think it's like the, the fourth movie that he made after Living Las Vegas, maybe. Yep. It's like next in line. It's just like, God. He it's just. just, just yeah. <laughs> and then Sinise. Yeah. Sinise is so evil looking. It was a phantom punch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Phantom Punch. That movie's great. Uh, that trailer's great. That movie's awful. Um, let's, yeah. let's keep going. Much better. So, uh, shall we get into thesis statement? Let's get into thesis statement. So, guys, if this is your first time watching or listening, um, you know what? Actually, that brings to mind watching or listening a story I want to share. Something from Comic Con because oh uh, yeah, it was a it was a special thing. Um, I got stopped in the lobby of the Hilton Bayfront by a fan of the show, uh, a gentleman named Edward, I believe. Um, I want to look it up right now. I believe Edward Tao. And he's listening I to the show. I believe you're right, yeah. And uh, we talked for a minute, and what he said is, I listen to the show. I listen to the show, uh, the episodes, you know, the movies I like. But you guys made me love Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I said, what, and I was like, That's, thank you so much for introducing yourself. You know, what do you mean? And he said, I used to think he was kind of a crazy dude. And I just realized I liked a lot of his movies, and I've really listened to the show a lot, and I, I really love Tom Cruise now. I love the Tom Cruise movies. And uh, I was just like, "That's we've won, we've succeeded, <laughs> we've succeeded in life." It was it was like a drop the mic moment. It was like I, he was. This is one of those things where I was like, I feel like I was probably freaking out more than he was, right? Because I was like, somebody just told me that I made them love Tom Cruise. That's remarkable. If you're listening right now, I want you to know you've changed my life for the better. I I think first of all, I'm so sad that I wasn't there when yeah. you got stopped by AMA fans um, at Comic Con because. The fact that you're willing, or that people would stop us at Comic Con because of this show, is just amazing and yeah. incredibly humbling. But I, this show did that for me. Yeah, <laughs> Max too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, completely, man. And and and, and you, I think, are really the main reason because we would have not <laughs> talked about Tom Cruise on the show if it wasn't for your love for him. But it's a hundred percent true, and I know you've said this, but when you interview Tom Cruise, you're going to tell him that story because 
if you look at the guy and what he actually look, I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. Yeah, exactly. He's exactly. an incredible guy. So that's an awesome story, and I'm so glad that Edward stopped you. Yeah. So uh, moving on to, fit, to thesis statement, guys. Thesis statement is that moment in the show where we we like to share kind of a bold thought, a big thought about the film. Uh, something something almost written in hyperbole. The first this, the greatest this. It shouldn't be like this is my favorite Chris Pine movie. Uh, it should be really something kind of big that you can kind of stick with and defend all throughout the movie or all throughout the uh, the episode. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you here first, Andrew. So I can't. I had to. This is my favorite Chris Pine movie. <laughs> um, this was tough. I had two, um, <clears throat> and I think what I'm gonna say is that this is the most important movie in Abrams, Pine, Hemsworth, and Quinto's career. Hmm. Hands down. I mean, first of first off, to talk about the guys that had nothing really, not nothing going on, but they were really on their way up. You look at Zach Quinto and um, Hemsworth, this is their first movie credit, like their real feature film credit, yeah. especially like something this big. You look at Chris Pine, and, and his biggest credit before this was, was pretty much Smoke and Aces, and... I actually really like that movie. I know that a lot of people don't. It's pretty mediocre. It's but, pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but he plays this like neo-Nazi crazy punk that you think is like got yeah. something like a screw loose or whatever, and he crushes it. He's yeah. so good. He really owns the character. And you look at Abrams, obviously when you look back, I think the biggest thing that, that people are going to talk about is that, oh, you mean the guy that, that he rebooted Star Wars? Yeah. And then he produced a second. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah. Um, he would have never gotten Star Wars had he not taken on something as big as Star Trek, yeah. which is minuscule compared to Star Wars. Yeah, in the grand scheme. And it's still massive. Yeah. You know, to take on something like Star Trek that you know is so much more superior, there's so many people to, to please and do this good of a job, and now he's doing Star Wars because of it. So yeah. I am sticking strong to my point that this is the most important movie in all of those guys' career. Uh, I'm going to go and sort of add to the back end of your point. My thesis statement is that this is the most important sci-fi movie of the modern era. Um, it's the most important sci-fi movie, and I guess we could say the post-2000 movie-making era, mm-hmm. because you could sort of say, you could even go as far as say sci-fi fantasy, but the thing about Star Trek and what was so incredible about this movie and why I say that is that Star Trek hadn't made a feature since 02, Star Trek Nemesis. And Nemesis, exactly. Yeah. That's the reaction. Yeah. When Star Trek was getting a movie made, like a reboot, it, there was this there was this idea that the only people that would watch a Star Trek movie were Star Trek fans. I mean, that's how it had been. And there were there were Star Trek fans, but because it had been so long since Star Trek was was really a part of the mainstream consciousness, like on the same level that like superheroes and Star Wars were. Mm-hmm. When this movie came out, it was a giant gamble. You put it in Abrams' hands. He really showed the world. You know what? I can make Star Trek likable to everyone. Palatable, exactly. Everyone's going to like this movie. Everyone's going to see it. It's going to be a huge hit. And it's exactly what happened. And I think the reason it's so important is because it showed the studios, it showed just like the mainstream audience. You know what? Nerd culture is is, is pop culture. Pop culture is nerd culture. There's no such thing anymore. Uh, And and you see things fail sometimes. Obviously, Warcraft is a great example of something where it's just like (laughs) swinging for the fences, but like it just hasn't caught up yet. Yeah. But I mean... This is that movie that showed everyone in the same way that the first X-Men and the Spider-Man movie, was the ones the, from the early 2000s, <clears throat> was kind of like we can do superhero movies. You know, this is the one that showed, I think, the world. We can we can take franchised sci-fi or fantasy and we can do it. It's, we can it, do it. It can be successful. You don't need to be scared of a franchise. I mean, hopefully Warcraft doesn't set things back. But You know, I the reason I'm sitting here in like such deep thought is not because I'm trying to like prove your point wrong. Yeah. Is because I think you're 100% right, and I'm trying to think if there's any other – because originally it was going to be like, this is the greatest 
reboot of all time. Yeah. And that's why next, I mean, we have a question from an audience member and, and I wanted to change it because we'll get into, into why I want to change it. But, um, <clears throat> I think that's a really good point, man. I don't think there has been a movie that's come out that is strictly sci-fi with so much source material and such a massive following that has been so, I, I keep using this word palatable for everybody. This movie was so likable. I mean, this is, this is everything that Guardians of the Galaxy ended up being, except it was before Guardians. Right. Like, and there could, I don't think there ever would have been Guardians of the Galaxy if Star Trek hadn't been successful. No. I mean, my sister, huge Trekkie her whole life. I yeah. watched The Next Generation with her all the time. My mom is the exact opposite, and I'm in the middle. Yeah. There's all three of the spectrum, and we all love this movie. So yeah. that's great. I love that. So that is, my, uh, that is my thesis statement. Let's move on to the next bit of the show. This is something called Fist Pump Moment. Uh, this, is, this is that moment of the show where, you know, we talk about that moment. You're watching the movie. Something happens. It's just that awesome, yes, this is so awesome moment. Are you seeing this right now? You look around at your buddies, and uh, it doesn't have to be anything specific. Like, it's not like a headshot or an explosion. It could be. It can also just be, like, the soundtrack. It can be this one look from a character. It can be a single line, anything. So, um... I will go first on this one. There's a lot of fist pumps. There really is. But, uh, I mean, okay, I just want to add because it's... My fist pump is the trailer, really. Right. That That is my fist pump. It's the... Yeah, okay. And, and the other thesis I had for this movie is that this is the rare occasion where this is a phenomenal movie where I still like the trailer more. Right. I That's think the cool. trailer is better than the movie. That's still. A, yeah. It's just remarkable. It is better than the movie still. It's not fair because it's two and a half minutes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do agree. So, because I think, and I, I, I will save it, I'll save that for, for favorite line with a part of it that I like the most. But okay. uh, my fist pump moment here that I'm going to go with is when, when Kirk sneaks his way into the cockpit uh, or into the control room and Bruce Greenwood's up there and they're arguing. He's yelling at Spock and Spock's yelling at him. And then like a horror says the thing and Spock pauses and he's like, the cadet's logic is sound. And you're like, <laughs> yes! You're like, Yes! He did it! Yeah. Chris Pine did it! I'm in! Yeah. I'm in on this now. Honey, honey, he did it! He did it! He did it! He did it! He tapped him! He did it! Uh, uh, that's a great moment. I remember that. That was really good. Uh, I had two. The first one was real hard to, to, to say it wasn't, but it's the opening scene. It's so good. When it ended, I watched the whole thing again. Yeah. Uh, but it, And the fist pump for that was, I hadn't remembered how good that scene was. Yeah. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, there's going to be so much about this movie I don't remember, and it's going to just blow me away. But my real fist pump is at the very end when Spock walks back on uh, back on the captain's bridge, and he's like, permission to come aboard? And yeah. I have, like, a few words. He's like, it would be my honor, commander. Yeah. And then uh, he starts to walk away, and Sulu turns around. He's got this smile on his face, yeah. and I had a smile on my face. Yeah. And I was like, yes! that's yeah. the There they are. They're all standing there. The, the, the Enterprise is together. together. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So definitely. Those, those are mine. And big, yeah, big, uh, big shout out, RIP, condolences to Anton Yelchin, who passed away just, just a few weeks ago in an accident. It was really, really sad to watch this movie, and uh, just, he's great, he's funny, he's lovable, he's personable, he's just adorable, he's great he's in this movie. He's so talented, and if you haven't seen Alpha Dog, go watch Alpha Dog, Alpha and Charlie good. Bartlett, those are both, he's just incredible, and yeah, RIP, yeah. brother. Sad to see him go, so... Uh, that is fist pump moment. Shall we? Shall we move on? Yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into star profiles and talk about this this the, movie and what it did to these guys' careers. Total, yeah, total lack of uh, total lack of credits. I mean, prior to this movie, you had Bottle Shock, Smoking Aces, and Blind Dating out of Chris Pine. He had also filmed a movie called Carriers, which was a horror movie that ended up getting oh, release yeah. dates pushed way back and not released until after this movie. Um, I think they were trying to kind of sandbag it. It's a bad movie, which is why. I think it just it just wasn't good, and audiences just sort of 
didn't really want to see it. So I think the studios were trying to figure out the time they could release it to make the most money. I feel like it was VOD eventually. I don't think it actually ever went to theaters. That happens to a lot of movies. I mean, wasn't wasn't that kind of the case with the um, with Warrior? No. Uh, was it the Gandolfini Tom Hardy movie that that was similar with, where the, they were just holding it forever to wait to release the drop? You're talking about, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely does happen. Um, I mean, <clears throat> people always talk about with Chris Pine, the thing that they remember him for was the Princess Diaries. Um, he was in the Princess Diaries too. That's, oh, that's, wait, yeah, 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 royal engagement. That's like a thing people always talk about. Is yeah. they remember Chris Pine? He's like from a that. prince or something in it, right? Yeah, because of course he is. Yeah, because when when the movie when this movie actually came out. Everybody was like, oh, Chris Pine, he's so great. What's he been in? And, and all the girls I knew were like, oh, he was from he this was movie. This I movie. loved him in this movie, <laughs> right? Which is, like, super funny. And then and then he kind of hasn't had, like, that interesting of a career, actually, <clears throat> since. It's weird because the dude's not a bad actor. No. And he's he's not an asshole. I've met him in real life. He's, he's very nice. Yeah. Um, or I mean, I didn't, like, interview him, so I don't really know. But uh, it's weird why he doesn't have... He didn't really explode. He, like, and you think he would. His next movie was Unstoppable, mm-hmm. which we love. We do. Um, and it's a, that's a good project to be involved in. Yeah, um, you're with Denzel on yeah, screen. Denzel, Tony Scott. Like, people saw that movie. He's been in other things, obviously. You know? Yeah. And, and it's great now that see him in Wonder Woman. That's a, that's a giant, giant, giant role. Um, but uh, Maybe that'll be it. Maybe that'll be the one that he needs to, like, really put him back on i think so well i mean three star i mean star trek he's got two sequels like yeah he's totally set he's fine he's an a he's b to a he's a to b like when you're when you're the star of star trek and you're in the wonder woman trailer yeah you can't do he's essentially he's right. currently a like yeah. i think yeah yeah he's definitely a but it's just weird how no one in this movie's career kind of blew up other than zaldana's is probably the most successful at this and even, point and even that is like and she she actually had her peak right around here when she got Columbiana and all that, it was like, she's going to be A-list. She's going to be the next, like, Jolie. Yeah. Uh, and she didn't. And, and she's still got a big <clears throat> brand. But, yeah, it's just... Absolutely. It is, it is weird that none of them... Nobody in this movie took off as, like, that person. Right. Um, Carl Urban had already had, like, a pretty successful career. He's kind of in the same boat. He... I think Urban will notoriously be the guy that... He'll be the Michael Bean of this era? Exactly. Yeah. He really will. He'll yeah. be part of all the like, greatest movies, and he will never be, like, a great leading man. He's fine in dread. Yeah. Nothing... nothing crazy he's great as uh aomer aomer uh wonderful in doom he is wonderful in big, doom. big shout out to our man mark b donica um uh you look at zach quinto quinto it's quinto right quinto i think yeah so. um the only other film credit he has is a short called boutonniere yeah other than that he was a series regular on 24 and so notorious and i mean he crushes it yeah. as spock abram's a big tv guy so i'm sure he was probably mm-hmm. aware of him from 24 and uh Quinto, he has a very specific look. His look fits Spock very well. Yes. Um, it, it, Spock, yeah. Quinto is 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 super weird. Wasn't he in Heroes? Yeah. He was. But, yeah. That was and, after and this? the slap. No, no, no. Heroes is before this. That has to maybe be. It's, yeah, maybe it's because Heroes ended afterwards that it was is credited later. I think that that's got to be why. I think Heroes is his big thing because I, I seem to I, remember he's the bad guy. I was Heroes. thinking that too, and I was like, "There's no reason that it wouldn't be on there." So it must have been because it ended in like 2010. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what it is. That's where his big credit was. So, and I know that's obviously a superhero Still, TV though. Yeah, definitely. you know, it's gigantic to get the Spock role. Um, the slap, which <laughs> the slap is one of those shows where when you saw the trailer for it on TV, you, you thought it was a joke. Totally, <laughs> you're, you're like, "This has to be a joke." There's no way. There's no way that they're making, making a show, and then it, qu- it promptly got canceled. After yeah. six episodes or eight episodes or something. They're like, so he, so he slapped someone else's kid in a pick barbecue. How, how are we going to make a show out of this? Yeah. I just, it was one of those things where, like, 
even if that's the premise of the show, can't you like make a trailer and call it something else? Right. The fact that you shot the trailer, that's the inciting incident, and you call it the slap, somebody got fired over that one. Yeah. There's no way. I just can't even... It'd be like if you called Mad Max Fury Road the car chase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, or, or like... The, the beauty of Hollywood, though, is that, like, we, we, we interview people and go to these events and are at these industry parties so often that, like, I'm going to be talking to some guy at a bar one day. We're going to be getting along swimmingly. We're going to be sharing our love over Tom Cruise and talking about how fantastic the finger food is. And he's going to tell me that he's the executive producer of The Slap. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm going to be like, I am so sorry. You're going to be like, oh, oh. yeah. Uh, uh, and then, why? And then he's going to be like, and then he's going to be like, yeah, I'd love to come on your show and hang out. I'll be like, please do. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yep. yeah, you're very successful. <laughs> that's, hey, that's, you, I mean, that's true. That's Hollywood that's for Hollywood you. That's Hollywood for you. Yeah. I think Kevin Undergar, who's our executive producer here, always makes the comment. Uh, I think it was, he uses the example, actually, of the second Star Trek movie, I think. Oh, really? The first or the second one. He, he says that he was at a dinner with some people and uh, a bunch of film critics. And that they came out of the movie and they were sitting and eating. And everybody's like, well, I kind of thought in the third act it sort of fell apart. And in the second part it wasn't so good. And at the end of it, he, you know, he was kind of, he just walked home and he was like, what do these people know? That movie made $300 million. Exactly. Like, what, <laughs> what are they talking about? Like, and it, I think it's just funny how Hollywood exists in this weird, in this weird reality where, like, you have to, if you're in the industry, you have to recognize there's, like, this paradigm shift. You can either be a critic or you can recognize that success is success. Exactly. It doesn't matter where the success comes from. If something gets made and put on television, that is success. Absolutely. Even if it gets canceled. If you're getting paid to do what you like to do in any sense in this industry, yeah. that is success. Yeah. It's, Honestly. It's wild. It's like when you really think about it, it's like somebody who's on network television as a series regular, even if it's in a bad role or in a bad show, that's still so difficult to achieve. It is so difficult, and that is a life-changing role and paycheck. Yeah. That most people can't even fathom the numbers that come behind a shitty series regular job. So big ups to you, Zach Quinto, for starring in the slap. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, in any case, let's move on. Let's talk about production development a little bit. We are, uh, of course, uh, hemming and haunting running over. As we always do. Uh, all of the creative people involved here. So uh, we'll start with producers. You had Damon Lindelof and... Uh, and and J.J. Abrams. At this point in his career, Abrams had success from a few things. He Mm -hmm. had Mission Impossible 3 just a couple years earlier, which had been creatively successful but commercially unsuccessful. Um, But he was connected to the right people. He had Alias. He was involved with Lost, wasn't he? Yeah, he was EP, and he wrote and directed a few episodes. Yeah, and... uh, so at that at this point he was pretty well entrenched into sort of the nerds the nerdverse. This dude has one of the cleanest, most aggressive and intelligent career paths I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Cloverfield was before this as Cloverfield, well. yeah, he produced that. Um it's just one of those things you look at this guy and I, and that was gonna be my other thesis statement. This will this will cover him in, as a director. Um I wanted to say that this guy is our generation's James Cameron. It, he it, is. He's a young dude right now. He's so young. Yeah. And he can still do things. I mean, you look at you look at Avatar and what real 3D did to yeah. change movies. Cameron did that in his sixties, fi- fifties, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Abrams has a long time to blow our mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I think that this guy, with the things that he does and how intelligent he is, and with what he has coming, which is the next Star Wars movie, um, he is the greatest sci-fi director of this generation. Our generation. Yeah, if anybody's unclear on, on uh, Abrams' other things were that in the 90s he wrote regarding Henry and Armageddon. Um, he wrote and, and cre- he uh, created Felicity, which mm-hmm. ran for four seasons. So, yeah, uh, Lost, he was an EP on that. Like, he just, he's just 
Yeah, it's an awesome career. He's a super talented. He's just smart. And, and you know, another one I was looking at, uh, Cloverfield, like he said he produced, that's yeah. also in there for the top like 25 trailers of all time. It's a good trailer. It's in there, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's Abrams. Then you, you have his writers, Roberto Orci and Alex Kurtzman. These guys found a lot of success writing Transformers in 07. They had a production company they formed together. Mm-hmm. Um, Orci actually was, he's credited on the newest Star Trek, but they split as a creative team sometime around like, uh, I think it was like 2000. 14 or something like that and uh both very successful i mean they've been involved with spider-man 2 ender's game star trek into darkness so these guys it's it's they had worked with abrams originally um i believe hercules the legendary journey on mi3 yeah. they worked together and they worked on alias together yeah yeah so <clears throat> these are guys like it's part it's that one of those little fraternities where like all of these these creative people they kind of know each other they work together and they just sort of they all get this. They all get the success. It's just like when you when your team wins the NBA championship. Yeah, your assistant coaches all get hired as head coaches, and everybody exactly. goes after your backup point guard. It's like everybody wants to be involved with success, even if it's not you necessarily. That's the reason that it was successful. Speaking of uh, Derek, do you know that Derek Fisher is is the number one postseason game winner of all time? No, he has more, five more wins than Duncan, that's and he is the number one postseason winner of all time. Which is just that's kind of reminded yeah. me of that stat. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, so that is uh, Roberto Orci and Alex Kurtzman, and then lastly, you. Uh, oh no, no, that's produced and written by the same people. So yep, it's everybody. Um, there's some of this this fun production notes in there, but we can. Is there anything you want to talk about now, or you want to wait till uh, later? No, we can just sort of move around them. I mean, it's it's one of these things where. Uh, so many of the pieces of this movie were so specific. I think there, there's a lot of excitement around this, and uh, it was extremely secretive. None, most of the actors weren't given full scripts. Incredibly secretive. Yeah, this is sort of funny. Um, during production, because everything was so secretive, only a few people were given copies of, uh, were able to see the, the rough cuts of the film or access to the working script. Um, the highly secretive production people were Rod Roddenberry, uh, Ronald D. Moore, Michelle Nichols, Walter, this is so like poorly printed. I can right. hardly read it. Walter Koenig, Jonathan Frakes, Ben Stiller, yes. Tom Cruise, and Steven Spielberg. Of course, the three of them are in there. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Of course, be? Cruise got to see a rough cut. Uh, they were traveled and carted around on these golf carts that were just completely covered, so no one could see anyone yeah. in costume or who was in the movie or anything. Jennifer Morrison wasn't. Even, she was literally only given her scene. So was Hemsworth. Um, it's Star Trek. It's one of those. It's a huge deal. They'll, they do the same thing on Star Wars. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Orchi and, and Kurtzman. Uh, they cut down the technical terms and 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 uh, they wanted to just rename it Star Trek so that you wouldn't feel like you had to have seen so many other Star Trek movies to to know the source material. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of yeah. Because I actually didn't know when I went into watching this. Uh, it was when I was doing research that it's actually called The Future Begins. Star Trek Eleven: The Future Begins. Yeah, it's the unofficial title. Right, and I think that if they did that, that would have been horrible for marketing. Yeah, well, it's also it's also one of these things where there's a there's a long running stigma that every other Star Trek movie is bad. Right. Um, there's like and and that uh, Nemesis was supposed to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. So uh, yeah, in any case, that that streak was already broken. So and this um, yeah, and this movie completely changes it as we get into like box office and critical. This movie was incredible so uh, it was um, it was made for 150 million dollars it opened may 8th in 2009 yeah it grossed 257 million domestic and 127 worldwide for a grand total of 385 yeah uh, almost 400 million dollars for the first star trek movie that this younger generation had seen um the number one movie in the whole franchise yeah. of all the star trek movies including beyond and or not beyond excuse me into darkness uh, IMDb 8.0, and then Rotten Tomatoes, we got a 95, a 92, and a 91 from all 
critics, top critics, and audience. Which is opposite of our normal. It is. It's just weird. It's rare that the... I mean, <clears throat> first of all, it's rare that, every, that all three cutters are over 90. Right. That's a, the rare occasion. It's like face-off territory. Just kidding. Um, but, uh, no... <laughs> You're not, though, well, honestly. I think that's true, actually. Um, but, uh, but the fact that audience is the lowest, that never happens on our show. And I think it's because you think about true Trekkies and yeah. certain things in this that must have just pissed them off. I'm sure there had to be things that pissed them off. The one the one producer we did forget to mention just before we move on is Damon Lindelof, who's mm. the other producer and creator of Lost. Um, and he was the other guy, the big credited guy on this, which is Yeah, huge. it was basically just the two of them, yeah. or the two EPs. Yeah, I mean, because Lindelof had been... I mean, Lindelof and Abrams are both very involved in sort of the comic booky sci-fi fantasy action world. Mm-hmm. Because Lindelof, as well as Lost... He wrote a, a Wolverine versus the Hulk comic book at one point for for a short while around the time Lost was coming I think out. Josh told me that I heard it was sweet. It's good. It, yeah, yeah, it was good. But like he's he's just very much that guy that's in that world. So anyway, all right. Um, favorite line? Did sure. you had one from earlier, right? Yes, definitely. I because I I, uh, I cut it from my fist bump because my favorite line is actually so my favorite line is actually from the trailer. He says it in the movie. But the way it's delivered in the trailer is the way I like it best. Uh-huh. And it's when Bruce Greenwood looks at him and he uh, says, Your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes. He saved 800 lives, including yours. I dare you to do better. Why are you talking to me, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a little longer, a long, long word in the movie. He saved 800 lives, including your mother's and yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just in the trailer, the way it comes out is so dramatic and awesome. So when I met Bruce Greenwood at the... SAG Screen Actors Guild Awards, I think it was probably Sounds right. last year. Um, the audio on that interview crackled out, so we couldn't actually use it. But that's the first thing I said to him. I was like, Bruce Greenwood, this is so cool. And he's like, what's up? And I was like, you've got one of the greatest trailer deliveries of all time. And I say the line for him, he's like, yeah, it's a hell of a line. A hell of a line, it's son. A hell of a line, son. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to hear him saying <laughs> yeah. that. Or something. I don't think he really said that. I think he was less entertained by it than I was. Of course. Uh, it's one of the rare occasions where, where me quoting a line for someone, they don't laugh. I think he was like, yeah, it's okay. But uh, in any case, yeah, it's just that's my favorite line is, is the Captain of a Starship line. That's great. Um... I think my favorite line has got to be at the very end of the opening when Hemsworth, he hears the baby get born. Yeah. And she's like, and there's just the looks on both their faces because he's just staring off, like imagining. And he's like, what is it? Yeah. She's like, it's a boy. He's like, tell me about him. Yeah. You know, and she's like, he's beautiful. It was just, I love that opening scene so much. Yeah, and that's good. kind of the climax of it right there is like he gets that moment to meet and talk to his yeah. son. Uh that that's it. That's my favorite line, hands she, down. And she says Tiberius. No, it's a terrible it's name. A terrible, Let's name after your dad. Let's call him Jim. Let's call him Jim. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Oh. And then just then he of course yeah. pulls the Randy Quaid from Independence Day. Of flies right into the ship. Flies right into the ship. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sweet. Super sweet. Um, all right, let's move on to a new thing we're doing. This is the AMA question of the day. It's a brand new segment that we we probably debuted like two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we like to submit uh, a couple days before the movie what the movie is going to be, and we ask you guys to submit a debate question. So if you're watching or listening now, just know that uh, next week's film, once we pitch it at the end of the episode, you guys can submit a question to us, and we will debate it live on the show. Any question? Yeah, as long as it has like a like a strong one side or the other type of thing, and so uh, we uh, we had Ethan Hunt at Prime Shock One submit the question: Would you consider Star Trek 09 the most successful reboot to date? And 
when we mentioned it before the show, you specifically said we should call it something other than a reboot because technically, yeah. So technically, it's not a reboot; it's a revival because it, officially it is Star Trek Eleven, and it does change the continuity of time, which is why you get to see it as essentially an origin story. Exactly. But it is part of the normal like lineage of Star Trek because, and this is why you see Spock, you see Leonard Nimoy in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure if you're a star, like if you're a diehard Star Trek fan, I'm sure that means far more to you than it ever could mean to. The kids watching this movie like i think it's cool and rest in peace leonard nimoy but it's it's less impactful for me reading the reading on this movie and about it getting it made um it was a huge deal for him to come back he had turned yeah. down he had turned down a lot of offers to come back and re reprise spock and he's great in this he's really good yeah uh and he decided to come back because he liked the scope of the story and that you got to kind of see spock join the enterprise crew so yeah that was great uh, as far as the question goes is it the most successful reboot to date if you're considering it a reboot, and and it is a soft reboot because in the sense mm-hmm. in the sense you're suggesting it, it is. I mean that's what it is. It reboots the con the the, the concept of Star Trek for the younger audience is what's happening. But uh, I think I would have to say yes. I'm trying to think of other things that have had. <clears throat> so I was going to say yes as well. Yeah. Uh, but then I decided no. And the reason for this is that I think Dark Knight is a more successful franchise reboot. Like the whole Batman Begins, Dark Knight, yeah. uh, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, and the reason for that, it could be biased because I've been such a huge Batman fan my whole life. Yeah. But <clears throat> you've got an Oscar-winning bad guy in that franchise. You've yeah. got the biggest director in the world at the time doing it, which is now kind of Abrams doing Star Wars, yeah. it feels like. Uh, I just felt like The Dark Knight kind of changed lives. It kind of changed pop culture. It changed everything yeah. for a while. A whereas ways, yeah. I think Star Trek was incredibly impactful, but just not in the same sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, that would probably be the closest one you could argue because I don't think it's fair to call Force Awakens a reboot. Nope. Um, it's it's you know they had been too recent that they had done other movies. I think '06 or '05 was the last one. We so. knew that there was going to be some sort of redemption for that horrible trilogy yeah. in the middle. Yeah, I mean I, it is kind of a reboot, but even even though yeah, I think I might go with with you actually. Yeah, we've had three Star Trek movies, and and the adoration for those Star Trek movies is high. But it actually doesn't compare to those three Batman movies, and it's no. not even because because Begins or Rises are so like so much better than any of the Star Trek movies. It's really just because Dark Knight is it's like the whole concept in sports that you get the best player in the trade. If you're comparing the two, exactly, like, you got to compare Star Trek One to Dark Knight. And if you're going to compare those two movies, Dark Knight is just so important. It's like such a it is it's a culture shift movie. Absolutely, it changed. <laughs> You've changed things, yeah, forever. It's a culture shift movie. I mean, it just it. And they just and the and the mythology that goes along with Heath Ledger dying with that character. It, yeah. there's just so much that goes with that movie. It's close, but I think I'm a, I'm going to agree with you. Cool. It is it is the Batman franchise. So thank you, Ethan Hunt, Prime Shock <laughs> at Prime Shock One for submitting your. We question. really just wanted to pick Ethan Hunt to ask yeah. the question. That's really what it was. Yeah. And uh, we will continue to do that. So so remember, guys, you can submit it's hashtag AMA question uh, and and obviously tag us at, at AMA podcast in that to submit your questions. Um, let's move on to recast. We haven't done a traditional it's been recast a while in a while. Um, all right, so let's start from the back. Ah, no, I don't want to start from the back because I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, we'll start from Pine and we'll go the opposite direction because you're so excited. Okay, so Chris Pine, um, just for the record, this I don't even think I don't even think it's a question. I knew who you were going to cast in this. It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise. We're going. This is you're pulling specific actors from the 80s and 90s uh, in, in sort of their prime. And this is, I would be choosing like probably 90s, mid-90s, like Jerry Maguire or just before era, like the firm era Cruise. It's just, 
even Pine says it. He, he said that the, the three characters that he based his his Kirk on were Tom Cruise and Maverick as Maverick in Top Gun. Uh, he based it on Han Solo, and he based uh-huh. it on Indiana Jones. And like, come on, like, there's just he. I mean, those are the three. Those are three of the greatest. Even the scene in the movie where Kirk is like. Where he's like the shields are stuff, and he's like, "Are they?" And he's eating his apple. Yeah, Cruz eats an apple and a few good men when he's like walking into the office. Like it's a, it, and and when Abrams asked like, "Why was he eating an apple?" Because like there's I guess there's some scene from another Star Trek movie that it's an homage to. Yeah, he's like, "It wasn't for that." It's just yeah, like it's when he's like, like leaning over the chair. Yeah, I think leading men just uh, leading men eating apples look particularly cocky. So I wanted to eat an apple. And it's so funny because that specific scene. Yeah inspired mine as well i had two really bad i had a really bad 90s recast i originally i was originally gonna do chris pine and uh zachary kinto as joshua jackson and james vanderbeek it's really sweet but then yours were too good and i was like people are just gonna think i'm an idiot um so what i decided to do was for the same reason mr brad pitt is known for eating always the dude always is eating in scenes always eating and um and it was when he was sitting there eating an apple. I was like, you know who would do that? It would be Brad Pitt would do that. And he, yeah. he'd be young, and he's like, you know, the same time as seven, maybe a couple years before, mm. eating an apple, young, hothead. Totally see him. Yeah, sweet. Um, You're gonna love my Quinto. Quinto. Okay, let's go with let's go with our Spock. Let's go with those actors. I'm, I like mine a lot. Keanu. You want Keanu? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> the 90s so you know they wouldn't take it as seriously yeah, they put the makeup on him and he would just deliver all of his lines uh <laughs> what was that what was the line uh a rescue <laughs> i'm going straight to nick cage uh, I, I, i'm gonna back away from this one but yeah i'm gonna go keanu for uh for spock you will experience fear yeah you fear in the fate of certain death yeah fear in the fate of certain death <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. Um, I like that because I do agree that if you were going to make this in the 90s, it would not be as serious. Yeah. It's like you when you look at those like 90s renditions of, of sci-fi and, and horror and fantasy and stuff, like they, it's like they're trying to take it seriously. But the 90s was just a joke, kind of. Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's just you couldn't take it. You just couldn't take it that seriously. No. Um, okay. So I'm going to go with my Zachary Quinto is Tim Daly. Tim Daly? Yeah. The golfer. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, Tim Daly. So he has been in a ton of stuff. Originally, the thing that I remember Tim Daly for the most, just because I love it so much, is that he's in Diner. Um, eventually, he ended up doing the voice of Superman in the Superman cartoons. Um, you guys would all know his face. I look, know. I, that's, I have to look him up because it's driving me crazy. Tim Daly. He's a Main Street guy. You've probably, oh, yeah. you've, you've probably seen him before. Um, the thing is, Tim Daly has this voice and this very sort of robotic delivery that he's able to do with a lot of his lines, which is why he's good as the voice of Superman. Right. That I think if you were to put the makeup on him, I think he could really pull it off well. I like, could, I could buy that. I think that's a, a, a good sound logic. It's the exact opposite of why I thought yeah. mine would work well. He's a little he's a little too handsome and like he's not kind of weird or alien looking enough. Right. But like so is Eric Bana, and they just like threw makeup on him. Yeah. Like I think if you if you put the right makeup on him, the right prosthetics, I think Tim Daly could. I think totally he can make do anyone look like anything. Yeah. Really. I think, I think he could. I think he could totally. He could totally handle it. Uh, for Zoe Saldana, ahora. I went with Alyssa Milano. Okay. And and I know that with the casting yeah. um, on this movie, they stuck strict to the race, the racial boundaries or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they were, racial, they were supposed to be sort of racially specific. Like racially specific Sulu, for the casting. Like, um, yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I get that. And I, and I just thought that it might just be good if she's just not a white chick. Just another yeah. white chick on, on the bridge. And I think just some, some sort of diversity. And plus Alyssa Milano in the 90s was huge. Yeah. I think that she would be the type of person they would cast at the time. 
So the girl who I wanted to use for my Zoe Saldana is the girl from Angel Heart. Her name is... Uh, I just wanted to use Catherine Bell, who's kind of like the hot news reporter in uh, in Bruce Almighty. Yeah, she's hot. <laughs> uh, it's Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, Lisa Bonet. This is what she looked like. This is her now, but this is... She... So uh, Lisa Bonet, she's in she's in Angel oh, yeah, Heart. Yeah, I absolutely know who she is. Yeah, yeah, and she's had some pretty major roles. She's good. She's kind of intense. Uh-huh. Uh, she's kind of intense, and I think I think she fits. She fits the time period. She was the right age. Yeah, they they have to be kind of young. Yeah, um, it's the beginning. Yeah, you kind of all need them. I mean, I heard that uh, Matt Damon uh, was rumored to be playing Kirk, mm-hmm. and so he called Abrams and was like, "Hey." Uh, I, I had heard that, you know, you were thinking of casting me as Kirk, and, and Abrams very politely said, no, you're too old. I'm sorry, <laughs> you are too old. Yeah, that's not true. Yeah, Chris Pine is, that's, that's 10 years, 10 years difference right there. Um, so that is that is my Zoe Saldana. I love my Carl Urban. I have, so I have two, and, uh, okay, go ahead. I want Brandon Fraser. You want Brandon Fraser? Brandon Fraser. That's very good. It's perfect for the time. Super solid. Yeah. That's actually really good. Man, <laughs> ah! Uh, so I, I had two Carl Urban choices, and I like them both a lot. Um, originally, I wanted to go with Michael Bean. Um, I like that. He's supposed to be a little older, I think, because he says, you know, that the ex-wife took everything but my bones. Right. So I, and I think I could see, I could kind of see Michael Bean doing it. Like, I could see him handling that role totally. well at the time. Um, but in the end, I decided to go with Carl Weathers. I just like so that's sweet. It's just like something about like he he has this kind of macho like. I, there's a part of me that's like, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There's a part of me that's like I just wonder like he's a little older, but like Carl Weathers still looked like pretty damn good. If you took, oh, like, he's yeah, he's incredible. Like, Predator era Carl Weathers, and he was like super jacked. Cause he, Urban's a lot bigger than he, he looks than like Jim, a lot bigger yeah. than Jim. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking is that I, I think Weathers would be super super good as Carl Urban. I think that's my final choice. That scene with Carl uh, Urban and Chris Pine when he's like trying to like un un whatever him it's with all the, it's really funny yeah, it's good uh my last one my eric banna yeah i went with johnny depp back when he could actually do good things oh wow okay yeah. you went like really serious yeah excellent so uh this is my favorite recast of all i'm so excited for this i refuse to tell uh, andrew before the show started what is it so when we decided that uh this was 90s and this would not be taken that seriously. So you thought about using Keanu here. And I was thinking about the year this would probably be made, which would be like maybe 1996. I was just thinking because of the, because like apparently Cameron Crowe saw screening this movie and he was like, who was that guy who played the bad guy? And he couldn't figure out that it was Eric Bennett because he was so covered in makeup. Yeah, okay. So I decided to go with God damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> just figured Schwarzenegger. His banner? And his prime. Because think about it. The, it, the movie would start. Fire everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it might ruin the movie. Oh, it would be terrible. But it also might make the movie so 90s perfect. Like, if Schwarzenegger. Captain James T. Kirk was a great man. Yeah. That was another life. That was another life. <laughs> um, I want to make you watch. He's just he's short. Ew. <laughs> Schwarzenegger, I, it, maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's wrong. But I just feel like for the '90s, if you that was it's, beautiful, it's Schwarzenegger the night. Like it's, it's like they. The thing is, like in the '90s, they would put Schwarzenegger in anything, and it didn't matter. Like oh, he was, it was cold. Yeah. So like, okay, you put him in as Mister Freeze, and he has the scene where he looks like really out of place. In the <laughs> okay, so I think you could maybe get away with Schwarzenegger if he was covered in makeup. In the '90s, I loved Batman and Robin. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's my that's mine. 
Uh, guys, it's been a long time since we've done it. So uh, at AMA Pad Podcast uh, hashtag Master Recaster, let us know whose recast you like more. It's been so long. I- I'm excited. These were good. Yeah. These were good ones. These were fun ones. Uh, all right, so we have a couple lines here. We're going to revisit an old segment we haven't done in a while. This is a segment we like to do called Cage versus Cruise. One of our favorites. Would the movie be better if one of the roles was played by Nick Cage or Tom Cruise? Uh, a couple lines here. We have Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, and a rescue attempt would be illogical. Uh, Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. <laughs> a rescue attempt would be illogical. A rescue attempt would be illogical. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Those are good. A rescue attempt would be illogical. Uh, who, else, who else could they be? Fire everything. Yeah. Or you could go with Albert Finney. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. <laughs> a rescue attempt would be All right. Donica, you better be fucking laughing up there. Shut up. (laughs) All right. Last but not least, guys, we've got which category does this fit into? For those of you wondering why we're not ranking movies recently, we are going to revisit that. It's going to be something that happens very soon. Uh, We've found that visually and and with our listeners on audio, we weren't finding a great way to communicate the rankings. It was like the list was getting so long. If we were doing a movie that fell somewhere in the 40s, you couldn't even see the top 30 movies. Yeah. Um, We could only see 15 at a time, and it was... Yeah. It wasn't doing a service. So we're going to try to come up with kind of a better version of this uh, to, to start sharing with you guys later. Maybe it'll just be that we only have a top ten, and if somebody bumps in a top ten, I mean, that maybe that'll be a thing for the for the hero villains as yeah. opposed to, like, you know... These, 50. Yeah, because a lot of these villains that were, like, number 42 is, like, who cares? Um, so maybe we'll do that. Uh, and then as far as... I don't, we'll have to talk about it. But uh, there are three action movie categories that are totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Um, those of you that have listened know. Totally ridiculous is like Con Air face-off, falls off a cliff of absurdity. Totally legitimate is like The Fugitive or Terminator 2, movies that hold together really well dramatically that you don't really ever unintentionally laugh. And then ridiculously legitimate is the middle category, which... Movies kind of fall apart a little bit, but they are held together usually by strong plotting or one really good performance mm-hmm. or The Rock, like that. Predator, things like that. Point Break. And for me, this is very clearly totally legitimate. Absolutely. I don't think there's any any argument for anything else. It's just a really well done movie. It's made exactly the way it should. It's so clean. It's funny what's supposed to. It doesn't drag. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So we have one thing left, <laughs> and that is called The Pitch. And this is an exciting oh. one, guys. Yeah, we need the cougar sound. We do. Um, we are doing Jason Bourne next week. I am so, I, I'm so excited. It's Bourne like when you five. wait for something for so long, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh my god, it's next week. Yeah, it opens this weekend, guys. So if uh, if you want to if you want to join in on the fun, I suggest you go see Jason Bourne this weekend at the theater. We're definitely going to be doing that. Absolutely. Um, I can't wait. I just it looks just looks awesome. He's so um, grizzled. Yeah, he is grizzled. He's getting into that second phase, the second action hero phase. We'll come up with some fun stuff that we can do for Jason Bourne to, uh, you know, some fun, unique games. But uh, And, of course, if you have questions about the Bourne franchise, about this particular Bourne, submit them, and we will talk about them on the show next week. Hashtag AMA, or what, AMA question? Yeah. Hashtag AMA question. Uh, and you can find that Twitter, at AMA Podcast. I'm Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Andrew Guy. And, of course, you can find Mark B. Donica, at Mark B. Donica. And at the Popcorn Network. The Popcorn Talk. The Popcorn Talk. Uh, check out those Comic-Con interviews, guys. Uh, there's also a very funny cruise-off between me and Patrick Fugit, the star of Outcast and uh, the kid from Almost Famous. It's at the end of the interview. If you look that up, we, we have a cruise-off, which is pretty funny. Oh, and also, guys, I'm so sorry if we didn't mention it. This is our new time. We're going to be doing 12.30 Pacific Standard Time from now on. That's something we should set at the top of the show. Yeah, we used to do, I think, this time, or 12. Yeah. We changed a while back, and we're, we're switching back, so... 
We'll uh, see you guys next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners and principals. 